Blog Talk Radio. Gabby's Late Night. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's uh, Diabetes Late Night, and I'm your host, Mr. David Bedick. We're having a little technical difficulty with Luther Vandross tonight. I can't believe it. But thank you for tuning in to our Wellness with a Wow podcast. Tonight, we're celebrating the musical le- legacy of the one and only Luther Vandross and raising awareness for diabetes wellness on this podcast. That song you just heard is Bad Boy Having a Party off of Luther's second studio album, Forever, For Always, For Love. And we're going to be celebrating that album along with Luther Vandross at the upcoming Vandross 2019 on the anniversary of Luther's birthday, which is Saturday, April 20th at the Sugar Bar in New York City. This has become an annual event bringing together the fans, meeting the musical family, and close friends and peers of Luther Vandross, and it's such a great time. I hope you definitely come out and make a point to say hello. I will be there. Now, everyone knows I love Luther Vandross. I had the privilege of working for him for years. Uh, You know, he is one of the greatest vocalists. He was also one of the greatest uh, bosses. But Luther's voice and his distinctive uh, singing style led to not only monumental success, but also instant recognition when you heard him singing on the iPhone, stereo, or television. Coupled with that voice was Luther's unique ability to write, sing, and produce songs about love and the shared emotions we all feel in search of that enjoyment of love. Throughout his career, he became a staple of the most joyous moment in people's lives, like mine. And tonight, I'm celebrating Luther Vandross with my guests, including Fonzie Thornton, Keith Anthony Fluitt, Divey's Advocate, Dan Hauschel, Patricia Addy Gentle, Luther Vandross Historian, Leon Petrosin, and Zachary Smith. We're also playing music, like I said, from Luther's second uh, studio album, Forever, For Always, For Love, which was released in 1982, courtesy of Sony Music. Now, coming up, we're going to get the inside track, believe it or not, on some new music coming out from Luther Vandross. But before we do that, we're going to go back in time to the second album. Marcus Miller, who was a longtime collaborator of Luther, said in an interview that before Luther was signed to a record deal, that many record executives suggested that Luther team up with a producer, somebody who could shape his music to make it more appealing to the audience. But Luther was very adamant that he he wanted to do his music his way. And you know, we're, we're so glad he did. Here's She Loves Me Back, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. I wasn't afraid to cry Emotion was in my eyes She took me on a natural high When I said I love you, girl of mine And then she said
I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedrick, and joining me to celebrate the life and legacy of Luther Mandross is an American singer, songwriter, producer, and vocal contractor. His amazing career spans over 40 years. He's also celebrating a birthday with us tonight, and he was Luther's best friend. Please welcome to the show, Fonzie Thornton. Hi, Fonzie. Hey, Max. How are you, my friend? Nice to hear you. Yes. So great back on the annual oh. tribute podcast. I, I'm, uh, you know, it's just talking about Fandross, and we should tell everyone yeah. that, you know, a lot of the fans are really familiar with those hit songs like Never Too Much, Houses Not a Home, and probably Here and Now. But what was so great about last year's Fandross was that we really got to hear more about his musical history and his involvement specifically with the band Chic. And you and Robbie right. Clark and Elton Anderson did this amazing rendition of Dance, Dance, Dance. So I thought it would be fun to tell the fans a little bit more about his musical history with Chic, just so uh, yes. they can't make it out to New York. I think that um, most people don't know that... Um, uh, there was a period of time when Bernard and Nile, who were the founders of Chic, were working uh, as Luther's band. Luther was doing, I think, a gig at Radio City, and Bernard and Nile were um, at that point in the band, and they were also at the same time uh, recording demos. They had this new groove they were putting together. It was not even named, and they got Luther. Um, they contracted Luther to come in with singers, and Luther brought in. Robin Clark and Diva Gray. So on those early records, the voices that you actually hear, like on Dance, 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 and Everybody Dance, um, you hear you hear Luther Vandross, David Lasley, Robin Clark, and Diva Gray are actually the vocalists that you hear on Dance, 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 and Norma Jean Wright is the vocalist on Everybody Dance. So in those early years, you know, Luther helped them create the vocal sound that is that is the famous chic sound. And in fact, um, I was very fortunate because uh, a few years later, myself and Michelle Cobbs came in to take over as part of that chic sound, you know, in songs like um, Good Times and My Forbidden Lover. So Luther is really the architect of that vocal sound that we know so famously with chic. So how did he meet that? Was it just a chance meeting, or was it something that goes back to Listen, My Brother, and the work you did at the Apollo? Well, I, well, first of all, um, I'm not really certain, certain specifically how Luther and Niall and Bernard met, but we were all in the same, we were all working in the same set of, set of musicians and singers. You know, in fact, Niall and I had been on the road um, uh, with the touring company of Sesame Street, so that's how I met Niall, and I think it was, it was sometime after that that Niall and Luther met, just in the ranks of, um, you know, New York session people and stuff. You know, we all knew each other and we're all in projects together. So that's, uh, you know, that's probably how they met in the, uh, you know, just in the session business together, you know. I love it. All right. Well, that's a, that's pack history. Let's talk about the future because there's some yes. big news happening on April 13th, which is 2019. It's record day. Yeah. Uh, and yes, I, yes. you were, you texted me earlier that Max, there's some new music coming out. And I was like, new music by yes. Luther. What? So what, what's happening? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I'm so very excited, Max. So, so of course, you know, Luther and I, you know, best friends since we're 13 and 14 in and out of groups together, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, um, when Luther left us, I sort of made a conscious effort to become the caretaker 
of all of his audio and video archives. Anything that was, you know, there, there are archives footage, archival footage of um, many of the shows. There are unheard, there are cassettes of unheard of ever. I'm sorry, previously unheard music. You know, so about three years ago, I was like just going through some of the archives and listening to things and watching things, and I and I found these two songs. And um, they were both songs that were recorded in 1979. One song, um, the one song was originally called Bad Boy, but that song, uh, we changed the name to Get Myself Together. And then a second song called My Body. So again, I found these two unreleased Luther songs. Um, they were, the music was very 1979 styled, but Luther was singing his face off, you know, and on the background vocals on one of the songs, myself and Sissy Houston uh, were on the, those original vocals. So my former assistant, Ricky Johnson, who is now deceased, came over to my house one day and I said, let me play something for you. And I played these two Luther songs for him. He said, you know what, you need to call up Louis Vega. So Louis Vega and Luther and I already had history because we we wrote Are You Using Me um, for his I Know album. And so I, I called up that. Louis. I said, Louis, yeah, isn't that, isn't that just a great, great song? So oh I called up Louis. That's I said, workout of all time. Oh, cool. That's so cool. Well, I called up Louie. I said, Louie, I've got these unheard Luther songs. I said, I really would like you to come in and work on them. And so Louie actually created brand new music tracks for both the songs, the first one being Get Myself Together, and the second one, My Body, which is going to be released on April 13th. And what we did is there were some, um, there were some vocals from the original tracks, but we decided we wanted to redo all the background vocals. So I called up Tawatha A.G., Brenda White King, Cindy Mizell, Lisa Fisher, and myself, and we went in and re-sang new vocals on these songs. So again, these are two unreleased Luther songs uh, that were recorded in 1979 at the same time that Never Too Much was recorded that were never, ever released. And Louis Vega has done a monumental job bringing Luther back to the dance floor. So April 13th, My Body is going to be released on Record Store Day. So you all got to make sure you check it out. It's really, really, uh, it's the best. Yeah. No, it's great. And the first song we should say that you mentioned that charted really well in the dance uh, on the dance charts earlier it, this year, right? Exactly. Or last year. That's right. Get, that's right. Yeah. Get 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 myself together. And in fact, what we're what we're going to do because Louis, you know, in his wisdom, travels all over the world, uh, you know, doing his show and playing his you know playing his playlist of music. And he took the, he's taken Luther's songs all over the world, and now they're about to be released, um, you know, so everybody can hear them. But he's been playing them for. Wow, but I'm telling you, these, you know, you know, Luther sounds like he sang these yesterday. You know what I'm saying? That's really how great it is. And also what's so wonderful about this, Max, is, like I said, Sissy Houston and I sang on the original uh, demos of My Body. So we kept the vocal, we kept some of the vocals that Sissy sang on. So she actually is on the new version of My Body oh, that Tawatha and Lisa and the rest of us are. So it's really exciting, you know. And all those women are going to be performing at Fandross. All right, so Fonzie, you, right. you came on the show, and I went on Twitter to tell people we're going to be on the show. Uh, a couple fans yeah. wrote in with questions for you. So Josie from okay. Mobile, Alabama, you kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but this is a great question. How did being on Sesame Street impact your career and Luther's career? Did it have a big impact? Because <laughs> you were like on the first episode of Sesame Street, right? 
Yes, yes, yes. What it was is we. Well, well, we were in a um, a music review, a workshop out of the Apollo Theater called Listen, My Brother. And it was a topical review um, with all original songs about being young and black. And, you know, the members of that group, myself, Luther Vandross, uh, um, Robin Clark, Carlos Alomar, Nat Adderley Jr. And uh, Loretta Long who was the uh who played Susan on Sesame Street happened to be the wife of our manager Peter Long and so they arranged for us to come on the show and sing uh you know and sing the sing count to 20 the parts of the body the ABC song and you know those were our first professional uh appearances that was the first time I had ever made a dime from from performing on TV. Those were our first professional TV appearances, and it just really opened the door to us to realize that, wait a minute, you can actually make a living at something that you love doing. So, I mean, that was the big revelation. You know, I think that there were things that we learned in Listen, My Brother and from doing Sesame Street that Luther carried with him all the way to the presentation of his stage shows, which everybody loves, you know. Right. All right. Uh, Vivian from Sarasota, Florida. My favorite female singer is Barbara Streisand, and she recently admitted that she does not sing when she's off stage. Now I'm wondering about my favorite male vocalist, Luther Vandross. Did he sing around the house? Would he sing at a party? Would he just sing anytime he felt like it? Uh, as well as I knew Luther, he was not, you know, he sang. He sang at home, but not, you know, he wasn't like, like somebody who was always singing. He was normally saving his voice. He was normally taking care of the voice. He was normally being quiet because he was saving his voice to come out there and do his best in front of his audience. So, you know, he enjoyed music, you know, at home. You know, I think he would sing along with records that he loved. You know, he loved the Sweet Inspirations. If I was at his house sometimes, he might be singing along with Aretha and Sissy Houston and the Sweet Inspirations. But generally, he was at home saving his voice and resting his voice. <laughs> he would sing before a show in the dressing room. I remember distinctly yes. that we would put on Aretha, the Sweet Inspirations, even his records, and he would Sing to exactly. those. He would do the soundtrack, but we're talking like before the show. All right, final yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. From mm-hmm. Peter from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm a huge fan of Luther's remakes. I'm wondering if Fonzie knows if Luther was planning on doing any other song remakes before he had the stroke. And if not, is there a song that Fonzie would have liked to have seen him remake? Heard, heard him remake? Oh, this wow. Is Peter in Cleveland, Fonzie. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard one. You know, um, Luther was always determined to have um, a remake on each album. You know, like even on the I Know album, we did um, we did the song When I Need You, you know. And um, I don't know if there were other songs that he had in mind to do. I know that, of course, you know, when we, um, you know, we had had that big discussion about him doing uh, – the duet with Beyonce, you know what I'm saying, as a, as a remake, the closer I get to you. But there was nothing that I know of that he had on his list. You know, he was very spontaneous about that. He would wake up one morning and say, you know, I have this idea to do anyone who had a heart. I have this idea to do, to do I who have nothing. You know what I'm saying? He was pretty spontaneous with that kind of stuff. So I can't say that there's anything I know that he was planning to do next. I know, um, and I'm not referring to Donald <laughs> I remember that he wanted Nora Jones's um, Why Didn't You Call? I don't know why I didn't call. Oh, okay. I was thinking about that. And I remember okay. he rehearsed a couple of times The Look of Love, which I thought would have been yes, really yes, cool. Yes, 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 yes. Well, 
Well, I also found, um, I found interestingly him sort of uh, messing around with a version of the Pointer Sisters' Yes, We Can, Can. And then there was some Jackson, some Jackson 5 song, which I cannot remember what that was, that he was, um, I'm sort of thinking it was I Want You Back, that he was experimenting with trying to do something with. But, you know, but oh, again, um, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, you know, he was such an idea man. He had such vision. You know, he was always trying to come up with something to please. All year long, we're putting people in the hot seat or guests on the uh, on our podcast, and that means that you're now need to take us take a seat in the hot seat. We're bringing in Luther Vandross historian Leon Petrosen, who has an incredible working knowledge of Luther Vandross. And tonight, Leon is challenging our people in the hot seat to questions about. Luther's uh, with Luther trivia. All right, that's it. Uh, because we're going to be bad boy celebration is happening. Fonzie Thornton, I'm, this is probably going to be an easy question for you, but here we go. Uh, Leon, okay. you're okay. there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello, I'm here. Leon? Hey, how you doing? Hello. Okay. Leon did a trivia yes, for us hey. tonight, everybody. Leon runs the Luther Vandross Facebook community. It's going to be at Vandross 2019. In 1974, yes. David Bowie recorded the song Fascination. It's been rewritten from one of the original songs written by Luther Vandross. What was the name of that song? Was it A, Everybody Rejoice, A Brand New Day? B, This Is For Real? C, Funky Music, It's A Part Of Me? Or D, It's Good For The Soul? Fonzie Thornton for it the is, win. It, it is show enough C. Funky music is a part of me. That's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs> I'm yep. looking for my sound effect. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, you didn't win a car, car, Fonzie, but what's the story behind <laughs> that? How did that actually happen? Well, um, again, I was not there, but I. but it's so funny. There are so many things that happened in our group of people that even though I wasn't there, I have the full story because Luther would then come home and say, guess what happened? So and so and so. So with a situation that Carlos Alomar was, uh, had become the guitar player for David Bowie, and they were in Sigma Sound in Philadelphia uh, recording, a, uh, recording David's new album. And um, Carlos had invited uh, his wife, Robin, and Luther down to the session, and they were sitting uh, in the studio while David was playing the tracks to Young Americans, and Luther came up with this idea. He said, Robin, he should be singing, Young American, Young American. He wants a young American. And so Robin said, and so David said, who's that? Who is that? And so he made um, Robin and Luther go on the mic and sing Young Americans, and that is how they got on the David Bowie and the rest of that is really history. So in the midst of Luther being with David Bowie and um, and them beginning to sing on the record, Luther, you know, who was already, you know, already a prolific writer and who had already been starting to record his own stuff, showed David um, 
uh, Funky Music is a Part of Me. And David loved the track and loved the beat and loved the rhythm. And he asked Luther if he could maybe rewrite the lyric because he thought that Funky Music is a Part of Me didn't necessarily fit who he is. <laughs> and so David came up with the uh, the name Fascination and the title, and he and Luther just rewrote the lyrics, and that's how that wound up, you know, how Luther's song wound up morphing into Fascination that wound up on David's uh, Young Americans album. That's a great story, Fonzie. And I want to let Isn't that great? Know I that love it. You're keeping the music alive in your career too, because you were just you just performed at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Brian Ferry, yes. and you've been yes. your career has not stopped. You've been doing. Uh, yes. You were you were even at. Um, uh, I mean, you've had so many iconic performances, but it's so incredible to see you on stage, and I can't wait to watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame special. Oh, thank you, you so much, Hawatha. All yes. right, Fonzie, thank you yes. so much for being part of tonight's uh, trivia. Thank I you, mean, thank you, Max. Trivia. Thank you, Max. Yeah. Leon, we're going to have yes. more trivia coming up, and you'll be giving us more details. But that was a great insight from Fonzie Thornton, everybody. Remember, he'll be at Fandross. In the meantime, I know, Fonzie, you know Marcus Miller. He's one of Luther's longtime collaborators. He said in an mm-hmm. interview yep. once that the next song we're going to play was considered the follow-up to Never Too Much. Here's Better Love, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. I love it. Well, I never put your love with anyone. I do believe it's easier said than done. No matter who promises you dream of, go first the world. You couldn't find a better love. All right, welcome back to Daddy's Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Medica. Tonight, we're saluting Luther Vandross. Joining me next to celebrate the life and legacy of Luther Vandross is a New York City born and raised vocalist who has worked with many legendary artists, including Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson. He's also going to be performing on stage at Vandross 2019 on Saturday, April 20th at Asher and Simpson Sugar Bar. Please welcome to the show for the very first time, Keith Anthony Fluitt. Hi, Keith. Hey, how you doing? We're so excited to have you on the show. You were um, a part of Fandross last year. Are you looking forward to it this year? Oh, definitely, definitely. It was a blast last year, and I'm looking forward to repeating it again this year. And rumor has it that you once competed at the Apollo singing a Luther Vandross song. Tell us about that. Yeah, I did. Uh, I call it my show-stopping number. <laughs> I, I won the Apollo. Uh, this is before the the, the television show uh, when they when they just uh, reopened the Apollo. I uh, won a few times singing his "Bad Boy Having a Party," and it was myself. Uh, I won twice singing "Bad Boy Having a Party," twice singing. Um, uh, the duet with him and Shirley, I mean, Cheryl Lynn, excuse me, um, with my friend Muriel mine. Fowler. If this world were mine, correct. Uh, with a friend of mine, Muriel Fowler, who's uh, uh, older brother's Bernard Fowler, who sings background for the Stones. We won that twice, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and we had a blast doing it. And we were up against David Peaston, who, that's, uh, who was a good, also was a good friend of mine. So once he got on the show, oh. you know, we, we, we lost I can. him, but, you know. No, can I? Can I? David Peaston, right? Can I? Yes, exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah. Oh my God. So, oh, well, you have. I mean, you've had music in your life forever. You uh, you graduated from Julia Richmond High School with Lisa Lisa uh, Star and Anthony Ray from Fame. So, has music always been a part of your life? Has your is your family musical? I'm curious how you got into this career path. Well, I, my family is musical, singing in the church and stuff like that. But no one ever. I was the first to to. Um, go take it professionally on. So, but, um, I started out doing musical theater and, and then I kind of got into singing as an accident. I was in a, uh, talent show and sang in this talent show and as well as did like a monologue or something like that. And this woman came up to me and said, Oh, you have a beautiful voice. Maybe you should consider singing. So when she said that, I started looking into singing and that's when I found out at that time, the jingle industry was very big. So I said, oh, wow, this is so cool. You can, you know, make great money doing these jingles and no one has to know who you are. You can kind of be incognito and, you know, have a successful career doing jingles, going on the road, singing background. So that was my intent, is to, you know, just to do jingles and just be behind the scenes. And uh, when I graduated, excuse me, high school and got into college is when the industry kind of changed and um, the jingle industry was, was, was uh, on its way out and they were doing buyouts and, and, and catalog music. So, but at that time also I started singing background for Ashford and Simpson and Roberta Flack and a few others. So one made up for the other. All right. Well, we wanted to talk to you about some of these famous names you worked for and get uh, we're going to ask you a name, and you're going to give us an instant moment that you remember from working with them so we can learn a little bit more about them and also your musical legacy. Martha Walsh. Ah, a hell of a voice. <laughs> that's all I can say, a hell of a voice. I know one word, but that's what comes to mind. You could do more than one word. So you, did you sing with her on the road or in, an, uh, in the studio or both? I sing with her both in the studio, and I and I sing with her now. Uh, I've been singing with Martha since, wow, at least twenty five, almost thirty years now. I, I came in, I came into her camp right after she recorded the solo album. Right after that whole CNC Music Factory black box stuff is when I came along. And that I've was been an with awful, her. an awful moment in the record industry, right? The black box years where. Uh, people don't know they used her voice. They used another person in the videos and the image, and so it was really kind of awful what they did to her at that moment. How did how what was her final reaction to it? I mean, she's come full circle, obviously, and people love and admire Martha Walsh on so many levels, not only as a peer but as a fan. But I'm just curious, like, what 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 was what did you feel about that moment when you were in recollection with Martha? Did she ever express any attitudes that have persisted? <laughs> Well, no, like I said, I came after all of that, and I immediately, how, it's interesting because how I got the gig working with her is through another singer, uh, Carl Hall at the time, who was singing background for her. And when I immediately heard Black Box, I mean, anyone who knows her voice knew that this is Martha Wash or this is someone who is spot on, you know, uh, mimicking Martha Wash. 
So I immediately called Carl Hall and was like, who is this girl who's singing? She's a part of this group, Black Box, but she sounds so much like Martha. And he said, oh, that's Martha Wash. And then a couple of weeks later, he asked me if I wanted to come and do the gig. But we've never, Martha never really spoke about it uh, with us. I mean, because, like, again, I came along afterwards. So she, when I came along was after the settlement, after her first solo record, after all of that stuff had, had been dissolved. I came onto the scene. So, but a lot of us in the business already knew that that stuff was happening. So it wasn't a surprise, but I guess to her, such being that she had the CNC music factory, well, the black box stuff first, and then right behind that was CNC music factory. It was just like, wow, this is like a double whammy of, of, of this nonsense going on. So it was, but I'm glad that she was able to, you know, get her just due you know, for it, and, and, and people now know, you know, can put the voice with the face and, and all of that, and it makes it harder for others who probably wanted to do the same right after and probably, you know, wanted to try and get some success at doing, going about it the wrong way. Okay, and how about, it's Diva Medic, and our, one of our big inspiration is Pat LaBelle. What do you want to say about Pat LaBelle? Uh, Patty, just another just strong voice, a, a pleasant person to work with, um, a sweetheart. Uh, I call her my my diabetic buddy because <laughs> we're both diabetic. Are you so, living with diabetes too? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and when we were working you together, have type we two did... diabetes. Yes, yes. Well, it, uh, I'm so so far so good. I'm getting rid of it uh, slowly but surely. That's a whole nother story. But um, but yeah, when we when I was on the road doing the reunion, the Bell tour, we would you know be on each other's case, you know, you know, what are you having? You're not supposed to have that. You can only have a piece. And, you know, so we were keeping each other in check. Well, how does it affect your singing? I know because singing is a really physical, a physical activity. So now that you brought it up, I'm always curious, like how your diabetes and specifically we're talking with you about type two diabetes, how does, how has that affected your performance or what kind of role does it play in a performance for you? Well, I've been very lucky. I mean, I know people who have have struggled with it, and uh, but for me personally, I it's just um, something that doesn't really or hasn't got knock on wood and God God bless hasn't affected me. It hasn't affected my voice. It hasn't affected the way I live, uh, my comings and goings and stuff. It's it's it, it's fine. It's just something that I to really get a check on it because it. Um, you know, people say you have diabetes, and, t- and and until you start investigating what it what it is and what it does and how it can affect all different parts of the body, then you, then I started taking it seriously. It was probably maybe ten years after being diagnosed with it is when I started really taking it seriously and knew, knowing that oh, it can affect kidneys, the eyes, you know, amputation, just all the different things that, that could happen with diabetes. So, but since I you know did that. I've been I've been fine. I've been very fine. My numbers are fine. My um, I started out on eight different medications. Now I'm just down to, to three, and hopefully, God willing, with uh, soon I'll be off those three. So it's just eating right. And what, uh, so what have uh, been uh, what are what have been some of your successes that have led to this? Like, what have you? What are some of the habits you've had that have helped you? Uh, minimize some of the medications that have, uh, for type two diabetes. What would you, what would you attribute well, it to? Well, well, I I definitely took uh, 
uh, a, a route as far as I had the gastric flea done in March of uh, last year. Uh, I did invest. I have family members and friends who have had either the lap band gastric, uh, the gastric sleeve, or the gastric bypass done, and um, <clears throat> and and uh, it helped with the diabetes. So I investigated in that, looked into that, and decided that's what I wanted to do. So that was the jump start for me, because um, I did get get down, uh, get the weight down a bit, but it didn't. Um, it was just a roller coaster ride. It'd be great for a couple of weeks, then it would skyrocket, and then great for another couple of weeks and skyrocket. But once I had the sleeve done, I was able to maintain a very steady, uh, just maintain a, 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 a basic average of numbers. And 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 and, uh, and, and again, like I said, um, getting taken off the different meds and stuff. So right now, my numbers are fine. My my. Uh, Blood work is all fine, and it doesn't affect anything. I, I, anything that I'm doing vocally or physically, I, you know, exercise, I eat right. I, you know, I treat myself every now and then, but it wasn't like how it was before, you know, where you'd eat the whole cake, and now I could just have a slice of cake and be satisfied, you know, and have to be satisfied because you know the results, you know what can happen. I love it, Keith. I'm so thank you so much for being outspoken about your diabetes because I, you know, this podcast is a tribute to my former boss Luther. I felt like he was on the road with 50 people supporting him with his music, but because he wasn't willing to just be outspoken about it, when it came to managing his diabetes, he did it alone. And so I think the important message is to open up and let people know how you're managing and how you're doing it, especially talking about that surgery, which has helped so many people with type 2 diabetes. Coming up later on the show, I'll be asking Patricia Addy-Gentle, our educator, about some of the things you just said. And even coming up beyond that, uh, before that, we've got this amazing diabetes advocate who has taken uh, his family legacy and the memory of someone he lost and has really, along with his wife and his daughter, have really gone out of their way to make sure that people around the U.S. who are living with type 1 diabetes stay happy and healthy. So I, I appreciate that you were willing to openly discuss it tonight. It means a lot to me, and I, I really uh, thank you for being so outspoken. It's a, it's a big deal. It's something, you know, oh, it's important well. to remember that with his life. Yes. Uh, Keith, now you're in the hot seat. So uh, that's the hot seat, and we're bringing in Leon Petrosin. Leon, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing great, Max. Thanks. All right, you're you're standing by. You've got another question I heard. You know we're playing uh, songs from forever, for always, for love, Keith. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, Leah, I have to tell you, now that we know Keith performed at the Apollo singing having a party, this question might be a cakewalk for you, Keith, so uh, we'll have to get harder next year, but Back in 1978, Luther was an in-demand session singer, I assume similar to you, since you told us a little bit about your work in Jingle. And that year, he was also a background singer, and he did a remake of the song, Having a Party. Which artist background vocals for? Was it A, Casey and the Sunshine Band, B, Gloria Gaynor, C, Eddie Kendricks, D, Norman Jean Wright, E, The Pointer Sisters? Oh, it has to be Norma Jean, of course. Please say that. Right. <laughs> Leon, who is Norma Great. Jean Wright? 
right. She was a singer and a member of Chic on their debut album, um, which was in 1977. And, you know, Luther was part of that record, uh, which Fonzie, you know, told the story. And um, and she was also uh, lead vocalist supported by Lucy Martin and Alpha Anderson, which Alpha would later tour with uh, Luther as a backing singer on, yep. All right, great. Well, Keith, before you go, we have one more question. Luther sing a lot of duets. Uh-huh. Who do you who would you pick one of these that you would sing a duet with today? Ready? Dionne Warwick, Aretha Franklin, Mariah Carey, Cheryl Lynn, Gregory Hines, Cassandra Wilson, Lisa Fisher, or Beyonce. Who would you sing a duet with right now? God, I mean, they're, they're all great. I would love to do a duet with every last one of them. I would say, um, of course, the Queen of Soul, Aretha. Oh, well, there you go. All right, Aretha Franklin. All right. <laughs> Coming up, we've got an amazing diabetes advocate, Dan Hassel. We're going to be playing more Luther trivia with Leon Petrosin. But right now, we're going to go back to that second album, Forever for Always for Love. And uh, that album spent three weeks at the top of the charts. Luther sang vocals, background vocals, vocal arrangements, and surprisingly, Keith, he even played the acoustic piano on our next song, Once You Know How. Here it is, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. I didn't know better, I'd say you had diabetes. So 
Um, he said, well, what do I do? She just, she said, contact the doctor immediately. Uh, that was uh, when he was 26, and he really lived um, with the diabetes and accepted it uh, very well. Um, he lived until he was, uh, I'm trying to remember now, 34 and um uh for a single person uh he he did quite well he he had had his moments as everybody does but um uh he he was he was dealing with it and he worked uh evenings he was a bartender for t g i fridays in the cleveland area and um so it was uh it it was hard sometimes but he had so many friends that if he if his numbers were off and he was acting kind of funny, one of his friends at the bar would say, "Go check your numbers, Kevin." <laughs> they knew him that well, so um, that's how he got uh, diabetes. And on New Year's Eve of uh, 2014, he was on his way to work. He stopped at his uh, pharmacy to uh, renew his prescription, and the pharmacist said, uh, your prescription's expired. Uh, you have to call your doctor. Now, Kevin was, prob- it was probably four. We were out of town, so a lot of this stuff uh, we got from his friends and, and uh, coworkers. Uh, but he was... Um, on his way to work, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. They said you have to contact your doctor, and uh, he went. Being Kevin, he went to work, did what he was told. He called his doctor's office, put it on his uh, his phone on the bar on speaker, and. Uh, Sorry, it gets a little emotional. Um, and uh, the answering machine would uh, would pick him up and obviously say, somebody will be with you shortly, you're next in line. And then it would cut him off after 10 minutes. This went on for three days. Now, of course. Wow. Um, and this is someone, uh, so we should tell everyone again, Kevin was was living with type 1 diabetes. Insulin was keeping him alive. He goes to uh, on the weekend to fulfill this prescription for insulin, and they won't renew it because he has an out-of-date prescription. So he's technically without insulin at this point. Correct. So uh, we're in Florida. We get, we get the dreaded call that no parent wants to get and we we fly home and um, living alone. He he was just telling everybody, all his friends, because they kept checking on him, that he had a bad case of the flu, not realizing that he was in DKA and his body was shutting down. Right. So uh, he his best best friend found him uh, at home uh, laying on the floor. Wow, and so, so you know, 
obviously uh, your family was grief-stricken, but you took this grief and uh, your family bonded together and decided that this shouldn't happen to anyone else, specifically around a prescription of a life-saving drug being expired that you still can't get it. So you jumped into action in a way that's hard to believe. Uh, tell us a little bit how you got what what you're striving to do and what you've accomplished thus far in memory of your son Kevin. Well, first first of all, it, it's when your son or a loved one or daughter dies in such a way, and and you're trying to wrap your head around the fact that they were doing what they're supposed to do. They're standing in front of their pharmacist trying to get a refill, the, the pharmacy doesn't follow through and call the doctor, which we always thought was the process. So we don't never knew why the pharmacy did not try to call and get the prescription renewed. They just sent him on his way. So a uh, lot of sleepless nights, a lot of time on the um, computer trying to figure this out, thinking that probably never going to really know, but we come across an Ohio law that says a pharmacist in this situation when there's an expired prescription and the doctor cannot be reached can issue a three-day extension of per se of that prescription. Okay. So the next question is, why didn't that happen? So my wife is is very smart. She's a mother. She's a wife. She knows these things. So we we talked that over for weeks, and she finally came up with the 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 thought that you know what, the 72 hours does not work because insulin comes in vials and pens, COPD puffers. You cannot isolate out a 72 hour uh, portion of that. Oh wow, that this totally makes sense now. The pharmacist, if they if they dose out more than what is allowed by law, because some states have 10 days, some states have 14 days, uh, some states have 72 hours. If they do more than that, then they can be fined or lose their license. Now, do a lot of pharmacists go the extra mile and take care of their patients and and put their license on the line? Absolutely. But we had to we had to level the playing field and say the pharmacist is, is, has to have the ability to use what they've been trained for to help their patients. So we took this to our legislators. Um, Gail Manning from Ohio initially, and she got in contact with Senator Dave Burke from Ohio, who is a pharmacist and owns his own pharmacy in Ohio. So they got Ohio together, everybody involved that would be a player in, in this law, and they came up with a version of what we call Kevin's Law now, which... There's there's two critical parts to to these state laws, and and I'll just say real quickly, 
most of the state laws are lacking um, the ability to give the pharmacists the ability to help their patients. They're all they're all dramatically lacking. So anyway, the two main issues for for chronic diseases is that it has to be no less than 30 days and some of the states uh, have it written in their law that it's a one-time only ever refill. That's not acceptable. A lot of states, Ohio being the lead on this, made it once every 12 months. Some more progressive states have gone once every six months. The pharmacists love this. It lets them do their job. They spend so much time these days um, on the phone trying to get in touch with the doctor on a long weekend in particular uh, to refill prescriptions. This just frees them up to, to do the right thing. Right. So, and it's the other states as well now, correct? Like it's not just Ohio. You guys have actually been able to kind of move it through to several other um, uh, states as well, right? Isn't it um, yeah. New Jersey, that, that's Florida? That's correct. In, in four years, we've gotten up to 15 states, and, then, and that's just by word of mouth, strictly by word of mouth, a grassroots effort. I've tried to reach out to a couple of organizations. Um, they did not want to get involved for whatever reason, which I don't understand, but it is what it is. In 2019, we've had, in March, we've had three states, Colorado, Kentucky, and West Virginia all passed Kevin's Law. Um, on the verge any month now this year is Iowa, Minnesota, South Carolina, New Jersey. Oregon has already done Kevin's Law. They're working on Kevin, Kevin's Law 2.0, which which will, will, which will include, if it passes, not just insulin, but supplies and meters and all kinds of things. So this is this is really taken off. So we're hoping by the end of 2019, we're close to half the states um, will will have this law. It, it's an incredible story, and I mean, I think it's also uh, not only for what you've done, but I think a lot of us seen how quickly our politicians could advocate for the right things and be able to make something happen to this effect and how many people are being uh, touched by this and how many people's lives are helping save. I think it's an incredible legacy. It's just such an honor to hear what you're doing, and I hope it's to continue. If people want to get involved in this band, how, what, what should they do? How, how would you like to mobilize our listeners? Well, you, uh, you're on Kevin's memorial page. Uh, I can send you okay. the link if you, if you can post it on a website somewhere. Uh, I would love so to. Kevin Howdy Shell's uh, memorial Facebook page, um, or uh, they can contact me uh, by email d howdy h o w d y nineteen sixty five at gmail. Now there's there's I, I have to put a plug in. 
um, for have you heard of hashtag insulin for all movement? Yes, we have. We've been uh, talking a lot about that. But put okay, a plug they in there. have probably moment, within so the pardon. I said, this is your moment. Go for it. You've got you've got oh, okay. the stage. <laughs> uh, probably uh, within the last six months to a year, um, they they've made a huge difference. They're the reason 2019 has been so huge for Kevin's Law, but they're also, each state has a, a insulin for all group. They get together, all dot T1 diabetics, and they go to their legislators, and and they're in, their, in the legislative offices constantly wanting um, Um, diabetes uh, or insulin insulin pricing, um, Kevin's law, uh, all kinds of things, and, and they're making they're making a big mark this year. Uh, they're under the sub or uh, the major organization is T1 International, uh, based in London, and Elizabeth Rao Rowley. Uh, They've been huge in in the uh, diabetic uh, effort of getting all the state legislators, getting Washington D.C. Um, to have these committee meetings and try to hold Big Pharma accountable. So the the rising cost in insulin, we should tell everyone. Oh, Dan, Liam Frozen, Facebook. Um, Luther Vandross Facebook group is back. Dan, we're going to switch gears on you and ask you some Luther Vandross trivia. I just will be curious to see how well you do. Are you a fan of Luther Vandross, by the way? I'm just curious. I, I love to listen to Luther, but I, I don't know anything about him. But I, I love his music. All right, well, tonight we're playing Forever for Always for Love. It's his second album, and... Dan, that quest, that song or snippet was part of Bad Boy Having a Party, which Luther recorded back in 1982. But who originally sang and wrote that song? Was it A, Rod Stewart, B, Marvin Gaye, C, Norma Jean Wright, or D, Sam Cooke? I'm going to say Sam Cooke. You're going to say who? Sam Cooke. Leon, did he get it right? Yep, that's correct. Yay! (laughs) More about Luther than you thought. Uh, How did that all happen, uh, Leon? What can you tell us a little bit about Sam Cooke? Oh, Sam Cooke, great R&B singer. Um, My favorite songs of his, I can just name a few that I have as, you know, a couple of 45s. Um, you send me, desire me, I love you for sentimental reasons, and Cupid. Those are my favorites. I love it. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being about a, a, a part of the show tonight. I was reading about you on a website, and you mentioned something that was so important. I thought about um, your son. I mean, as physically active as he was, and how many people he shared his experience living with diabetes, I'm paraphrasing, but at some point you really mentioned that he wasn't as outspoken uh, about his 
his diagnosis as maybe he could have been and that you and your family are urging others to speak out and to uh, have a lifeline, so to speak. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yes, good good point. I was going to mention that, and, and it, it got away from me. But, yes, Kevin was typically um, what I like to call a, a, a type 1 diabetic. Most diabetics up until probably that, that I'm aware of, probably up until maybe a year or so ago, they just lived with diabetes. It, it 24-7, you have to live with it. You take care of yourself, and you don't tell anybody about it. You, diabetics just do it, and and I have so much respect for how they live their lives, and Kevin lived his life to the fullest, and I, I read constantly about people that live their life to the fullest, and um, uh, but it's good that, that they're speaking out now uh, because there's going to be action uh, from it. And, yes, we encourage that. And I, I talked to so many people that are involved now that said, I don't know why I kept that to myself all these years. And and they're not <laughs> they're they're not keeping it to themselves now. They're they're very upfront about it and demanding change and demanding the right to live. Absolutely, and Keith Blewett earlier gave us a great testimonial about being outspoken and really opening up about it, which I think is so important. Your story and my story are very similar in that respect of, of not of urging people to speak out about it and get more of their friends and family involved in their care so that we could help them stay happy and healthy. Um, Dan, thank you again for being on the podcast. Hey, everybody, we're going to play some more Luther music. Dan said he loves Luther, but I know a lot of you fans out there love Luther's interpretations of soul classics. Originally, this next song was recorded by The Temptations in 1965. And hey, ain't too proud to play the acclaimed new musical featuring the iconic music of The Temptations was on Broadway. Maybe you want to come to New York City, Dan, and check that out. In the meantime, here's Luther Vandross' version of Since I Lost My Baby, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. Since I lost my baby Vandross 
I don't know. There's no one else like that. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And so is my next guest who's going to help unravel some of the conversations we've had about Diabetes Day and break it down and make it a little bit easier for everyone to understand, all to help us um, celebrate the legacy and life of Luther Andros. So please welcome to the podcast our very own Patricia Addy Gentle. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Matt. How are you? Uh, I'm emotional. That was a really huge testimonial for a fellow advocate, and I, I just uh, overwhelmed by the amount of wonderful work that uh, Dan and his family are doing on behalf of his son's memory. I think it's incredible. But there was a lot of yeah. conversation in there, and uh, have you ever heard that about the pharmacies not renewing prescriptions? I mean, wow, that it's kind of shocking. Oh, yeah, it happens all the time, um, much more often than we want to think about um, when patients aren't able to get life-saving medication because perhaps they haven't had um, money or uh, the time or whatever the reason, transportation, to get to their doctors. So sometimes you'll have someone show up at a pharmacy looking for medication um, that was prescribed for them a while back, and they haven't been back to the doctor for follow-up to get the renewal prescriptions. And, yes, they are denied more times than we want to imagine they are denied getting their medications. Oh, wow. That is just shocking. I, I know we're coming up with some hot topics later on, and one of them was from our friends at Diabetes UK uh, website talking about a gentleman who just went to get a prescription uh, refilled and had a overdue prescription. He was given a prescription that was four months out of date. Uh, this man, Darren, didn't get uh, didn't get sick. He didn't take it. He actually went back to uh, the pharmacy and they apologized and uh, corrected their mistake. But it's important to realize that pharmacies make mistakes too, everybody, and you have to continue to be a diabetes advocate, right? You have to Absolutely. take this on. Absolutely. And you do have to know your medications and, and question medications if it doesn't look like what you normally take or if, if it's mislabeled or whatever. If there is something that you question in your mind, don't just assume that, oh, okay, maybe it's a different manufacturer and it looks different because of that. But question, because once you take it, you definitely cannot get it back. If, if your prescription is expired, you have to do something. You have, There has to be an advocate out there, someone who is persistent enough to get that prescription renewed and to get the medication that is so needed by so many people. And I could see how that could be the thing that knocks down the house of cards, especially when you go back to what Keith said earlier about living with diabetes for several years. It's kind of overwhelming. It's not always explained to you. And, you know, so you have limited knowledge. You're trying you, – life gets in the way of managing your diabetes, and sometimes it sneaks up on you. And specifically, it could sneak up around you around, regarding high blood pressure and diabetes. Uh, a lot of people have these two conditions. We've been talking about it since January, thanks to our Clued in Diabetes and Heart Health Escape Room. But I wanted to uh, come back to this with you tonight because I remember – hearing that Luther was complaining of headaches before he had the stroke. Uh, this is back in 2003, before, uh, right before the release of Dance with My Father. He said he had 
persistent headaches for like a week or maybe two weeks before the stroke. And so all of this is somehow related. I'd love to get your um, wonderful clarification on that. It is related, and uh, but do keep in mind that high blood pressure is sometimes silent and not everyone will experience a headache or any symptoms from it. But one of the signs that your blood pressure may be high is a headache, and that's because blood pressure is actually measured as being resistance in our vessels. So you're measuring the amount of pressure that's being exerted on the side, the walls of those uh, arteries, the walls of those veins. So as the blood is being pumped or perfused through the body at a high pressure, um, you can feel that. Sometimes you will have people who tell you they feel like their heart is racing or that they they can hear the swish swish of blood going through the vessels or you know they feel that they just have that pounding swishing of blood through their head or they will have a um disequilibrium they they can't balance themselves because of the blood flow and increase intensity of the resistance in those vessels. So, those, those, you know, those are some of the things that may occur prior to the vessel rupturing, causing um, the stroke or causing the heart attack. But see, like blood pressure, high blood pressure and diabetes, and type two diabetes specifically, in my mind, have a very strange stigma that people don't think it's any any big deal because so many people have both especially high blood pressure. People say, oh, I've got high blood Excuse me, I've got high blood pressure too. It's no big deal. So, you know, the truth is it really is a big deal when you get right down to it, but there's this perceived idea that it's not something you have to really worry about. And so a lot of times people just start taking the pills and try to ignore it. And that's not really the right thing to do, especially on a night tonight where we're honoring the legacy of Luther Vandross, because it can, as you just said, lead to a stroke. So, why does it lead to a stroke? It leads to a stroke whenever the blood is the pressure in those vessels becomes so high that it's no longer flowing with the soft ripple roll uh ripples and flow that it should. It has so much resistance that that vessel starts to balloon or it blows out it It blows just like a balloon if you can imagine putting. Um, air into a balloon, the sides of that balloon will eventually become thin um, the more air that you put in, and you can put so much that that side of the balloon may puncture. And when that happens, you no longer have blood flow that's contained within the vessel, but the blood flow is squirting out into tissue or into other parts of the body. And when that happens, that's what... Um, what happens when a person has a stroke or you can have a stroke that is a result of a clot forming um you know it it can be the punctured vessel or it can be an occluded vessel where the blood can no longer flow through and if it can't flow again resistance builds up it's like having ice in your water pipe so or having extra cholesterol levels extra um 
I don't want to say garbage, but when plaques form on the sides of the vessel, it causes a resistance or, or uh, impedes the flow of the blood. So blood cannot get where it's needed to nourish the rest of the body. And that uh, ruptured vessel with free-flowing blood into the tissue is what we call a stroke. All right, well, I want to stop a stroke from happening right now. There's been a lot of news lately about uh, moderate drinking could cause high blood pressure. I know you've done a little research on it. Seven to ten, seven to 14 uh, drinks of alcohol a week, they're now saying, could be linked to high blood pressure. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, and for so long we were taught or we thought otherwise that that drink may have some effective properties towards lowering the blood pressure. Um, however, anything in moderation, I know that this study is telling us that moderate drinking is also a factor, but when things are done in moderation, then you run a little less risk than if it's being overdone. However, the small amounts of alcohol still need to be monitored. And so if you have a history of high blood pressure, because the impact of this study is so shocking and astonishing, I would say that if that's a diagnosis and you know that you're a moderate drinker, that you should monitor your blood pressure. Um, They're saying that you should have your blood pressure monitored each time you see your doctor. However, I would say to monitor between visits as well. There are so many um, days that go between office visits, and it's no reason why uh, the blood pressure cannot be monitored. It's just like blood sugar. So when you're eating something that you know has an effect on your blood sugar, monitor. Find out exactly what that effect is. And so many people have differences in the way that they react to different things. So if you know that... um, a glass of wine or two glasses of wine or whatever it is that's your limitation, then you have to take those restrictions to heart and do whatever is necessary to keep your blood pressure at the moderate level or within those good ranges to avoid the the, uh, high blood pressure levels and to avoid stroke and heart attack. You know, and and I'll be honest, I like to have a drink like everybody else. So, I mean, this is important because people are going to be coming out celebrating Luther Vandross at our, uh, fan, you know, at our Vandross upcoming event. They're, they're saying this link is because sometimes we're more likely to have unhealthy foods, we're exercising uh, less, and we might have some kind of increase of inflammation causing stress on the body, right? That's kind of where this link between That's uh, where the moderate link is. Yes. Yes, that's where it's going. And and there are so many factors, so many variables, depending on your amount of uh, food intake and the exercise and the type of food and when you exercise in relation to when you ate the food or when you had the wine on an empty stomach or, you know, whether or not it was gradually absorbed or uh, absorbed rapidly into the bloodstream. So there are a lot of factors and variables that have to be taken into consideration. And as I said, everybody's individualized. And so um, if you know that you are drinking and that that is a factor, then monitor your blood pressure. Make sure that you know what oh. your numbers are. Great. Oh, Patricia, you're going in the hot seat tonight. 
here we are. We're celebrating Luther Vandross and our annual Luther Vandross uh, podcast coming up. We've got an incredible entertainer named Zachary Smith who's going to be Big Zach doing some uh, Luther Vandross styling for us on the show tonight. But right now, Patricia, we've got Leon Petrosen, the head of the Luther Vandross Facebook community. Leon, you have been doing such a great job of keeping Luther's legacy all these years alive through the Facebook community. Uh, Are you surprised at the amount of fans who contact you on a fairly regularly basis? basis uh, to express their love and admiration for Luther? Uh, yeah, I, I really am. I mean, when I first started the group, I didn't think it was going to grow as, as large as it is now. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I would love to see like a million members, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, Patricia Addy Gentle was part of Diva Make Makeover Your Diabetes at the Fox Theater, Leon, where Luther Vandross performed in Atlanta, Georgia. So I would think that Patricia would be ready for this challenge in the hot seat tonight. All right, Patricia, are you ready? I'm not sure. <laughs> Everybody has done so well. Earlier tonight, we re- we played Luther's remake of the song Since I Lost My Baby. Now we're curious to find out who the original group was that recorded it. Was it the Four Tops, the Clovers, the Temptations, or the Platters? For the win, Patricia. And if you were listening in on the conversation earlier, then you heard me mention it. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, give me the okay. choices again. The Pointer Sisters, the Shirelles. The I'm only joking. Okay, the four tops, <laughs> the clovers, the temptations, or the platters. For the win. Um, I don't recall what you said, but name one of them. Uh, the temptations. <laughs> That's correct. Leon, I don't know how she stuck that landing, but she got it right. I was so wanting to buzz. Uh, I've been dying to buzz, Patricia. But I don't have to, Patricia. I don't have to do it. Okay, The Temptations are the original the group that recorded it. So, so Smokey Robinson wrote the song, but The Temptations recorded it. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Anything you want yes. to add to that, Leon? <laughs> oh, well, I can add one thing. This is uh, later on in Luther. This was in 1985. Um, him and Marcus, well, him and Marcus Miller co-wrote a song on their 1985 album, but the song was called "Do You Really Love Your Baby," and it was produced and arranged by Marcus Miller, but co-written with Luther. Nice. That's a good piece of trivia. I'm, we're going to be testing yeah. the exact uh, trivia in a minute, but first, you know, last year. Patricia and Leon, you weren't at Pandros, but a fan performed our next song, which is off the Forever for Always for Love album, which, according to my research, Rolling Stone magazine gave four-star rating describing Luther as the most gifted male pop singer of his generation. This song, I haven't stopped playing since last year's Pandros. It's Promise Me, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen. Girl, we had a good thing, but 
Tribute to Luther Vandross. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick. And someone just texted me, Are you saying Sandross or Vandross? It's Sandross, everybody. You know why? Because the fans come first in our celebration of Luther every year. And we've got one of the biggest ones from Atlanta, Georgia, where our very own Patricia Addie Jessel hails from. He covers a lot of Luther Vandross songs, including uh, probably that song we're going to find out in a minute. But here it's time to meet the wonderful Big Zach and his talented welcome, Zachary Smith. Hi, Zachary. Hey, hey, appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I have to tell you, I, I've been I've been trolling you on Facebook. I love the outfits. I see you in all the Luther rhinestone <laughs> jackets and stuff. Those aren't. It's not cheap to be a Luther uh, Vandross. I don't want to say that intimidated. Uh, I don't know what we'd call you. You're kind of doing Luther Vandross. So a impersonator, is that a bad word? But you do, uh, you yeah, do dress I, I do. like him. Yeah, I do. And, and I purposely, I look up, I, you know, I've been li- listening to Luther since uh, forever. And, you know, I'm, no, I'm, you know, used to turning the tape from side A to side B, back to side A to side B, and uh, over the years. And so when I see Luther in the different concerts at Wembley and, the other places, I want to give that same sort of essence and spirit to it. So I'm putting on, you know, 100%, you know, with, with the jacket, with the bow tie, with the, the classy look, um, background singers the same way, doing their thing. And we try to put on a really realistic show. I love it. It looks like it, and I appreciate it. I think I would love to come see it. I know you've got one coming up on Mother's Day. Now, Zachary, do you ever watch The Voice? I do. I do watch The Voice. Uh, every right, once in a while. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you know, they have mentors on The Voice, right? So tonight yes. we have a mentor for you because you're going to be challenged to sing some Luther. Uh, Keith Anthony <laughs> On the Apollo singing Luther Vandross, we thought we'd ask Keith to give you a tip on how to sound like Luther Vandross so you could perform it. So, Keith, if you had to give Zachary a tip on how to perform a Luther Vandross song, what would it be? Wow. That's, <laughs> um, I, I, I can't even answer that because I know I can't even sound like Luther. There's only one Luther. There'll always be only one Luther. I just say give it your all and, you know, do what you do and you know, what you do will shine through, you know, as well as, you know, it's it's a Luther tune, so that's automatically going to shine to shine through. So I can't even really give an answer of how to sound like Luther because <laughs> it's just so hard to do. I'm sorry. Well, I have to tell you, Zachary <laughs> does sound like Luther, and he actually puts his videos up on Facebook, and he's been tremendously successful with it. So right now, uh, just so you know, Zachary, Leon Petrosin's chair is facing the audience. Patricia's chair is facing the audience, and my chair is facing the audience, and we're ready to see if you could turn our chairs around. So, what are you what are you going to give us? Some Luther, some phrasing from Luther Vandross. 
Um, let's see here. You know what? You guys like Promise Me? Let me put in Promise Me. I actually got karaoke Promise Me in the background. All right, here we go. And, uh, all right, here we go. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The things that I've been through So when it comes to all that I'll talk to all my About the moment I've been missing Cause lately, baby, I ain't had no kisses. Something of me can't be said together. Like when we used to be in love. <laughs> oh, Zachary, you just what turned is, around that? Patricia's chair. Patricia, you, you <laughs> turned around your chair. What did you think? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Did you like it? Oh yeah, the chair <laughs> turned around. <laughs> what? I got a chair around. turned around. You got you got her chair to turn around. I I don't see what Leon did. Leon, what did you do? No, I turned my chair. It's just squeaking right now. <laughs> 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah. And what did Keith? What did your mentor say, Keith? What did you say? Oh, I said definitely. I stood up. I didn't have a chair, but I stood up and threw my shoe at him. the <laughs> shoe. Wow. No, I really got it. You did a great wow. job. Now, here's, here's a funny thing for everybody listening. This is so much fun, Zachary. Thank you so much for doing that. But you don't only do Luther Vandross. You were recently challenged to do Barry White. On Facebook, and you That's did. Right. So we're going to turn our we're going to turn our chairs around one more time. Keith, do you have any Sorry. tips on um, Zachary singing Barry White? I love Barry White personally. So what would your tips be on doing Barry White? You uh, know what? I would say just be smooth. Barry was smooth, cool, calm, and collected. Okay, Zachary, you heard it. Whatever you want to give us by Barry White. Oh, okay, let me see here. Let me bring that up real quick. Yeah. We're still around. You're going to be in Mother's Day performing in Atlanta, Georgia, doing your big spectacular. Maybe you'll come Vandross one year and celebrate with us because I, lo- I really do love how much uh, attention you pay to the details of Luther Vandross and your stage show. I think it's great. Good deal. Good deal. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm trying to bring it up here. My computer's being real slow on my karaoke. <laughs> Um, you know what? Hey, you mind if I go over to piano and just play something? Go for Let me it. See. I'm play the acoustic piano on a, one of his songs we played earlier. It, once you know how, so give it to us. Okay. Let me see here. Over at my piano. Wow. Okay. We're coming live at Divey's Late Night Studios with Zachary Smith, known as Big Zach, and the what is your name of your band? The Big Zach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just. Yeah, so it's, it's a Luther Vandross tribute band, um, and so you know what we've been going by a few working titles, but uh, 
But right now, it's just the Luther Vandross tribute band. Okay. So whenever you're Okay. Uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm, okay, here, here's one. Here we go. Luther playing like Luther. If you want to check out you doing Barry White, you do it on your Facebook page, 
that they could go to Zachary Smith and check that out. It's an amazing rendition of Barry White, too. I loved it. Hey, I want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight and helping me keep the spirit of Luther Vandross alive, his legacy, his life. I want to, I'm looking so forward to meeting all the fans at Vandross 2019, including our very own Leon Petrosin. Please take a minute to subscribe to DivaBetic's e-newsletter at divabetic.org or visit us on Facebook. Now, remember, every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. Zachary, we're going to close the show with Luther Vandross. I know it's the... Uh, the title cut from the Forever for Always for Love album, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen one more time to Luther Vandross. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. I sing this song to remind myself that there was a time when I Let's throw the band.